Hello, and welcome to Episode 5 of Autographs, the unofficial Autonew podcast hosted by Rotographs. This week we talked to Niv Shah, the creator of Autonew, but before we release that episode, we'd like to go back to a predecessor of this podcast, where Joe and Trey interviewed Niv about a year ago. After the break, we'll re-release that episode for anyone interested in taking a look back at how Autonew has changed. Then, stay tuned for Episode 6. We'll revisit some of the same topics and talk about a bunch of new changes and the state of the game in 2016. Enjoy! Nobody on the playoff to Murphy. Left-hand batter, strike three calls to the knees and right down the middle of the plate. But down, Murphy. Some games go on for a long time. This one's still going on in my mind. So I guess... Thanks for building it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I'm, I'm building it to spec. I'm building, building it based on what you guys tell me to do, so it's not super, super hard. <laughs> no, don't tell us that, because we, we might have more yeah, yeah. ideas. Yeah, if you admit to the populace that you're building this based on our demands, you're probably going to get flooded with with <laughs> ideas. Yeah, it's not quite that. But, I, but yeah, anyway, I just super appreciate it. Anyway, we can definitely get into whatever you want to get into. Though. Okay. Um... Well, I guess that kind of leads right into the first question, which was how, where did the idea come from? I know Chad had mentioned that, I think it's three of you in the original league went to high school together. Yeah, um, that's right. They, so, um, we, we had stayed in pretty good touch. Uh, Chad and our friend Jeff uh, both went to Northwestern together. Uh, I went to Tufts in Boston, and uh, we would like talk to each other all the time and uh, visit each other pretty regularly. We hung out in the summers and whatnot. Um, so we were did like... Talk, did, you, did you talk to each other over AOL Instant Messenger? Yeah, that's right. Like, we talked on AIM uh, to a, a very extent, uh, deep extent, and, you know, Gmail was kind of this, like, big uh, revelation for us when we all got on it around 2005, um, shooting each other emails all the time. Uh, so we all graduated in 2004. We talk on AOL Instant Messenger. We, we talk on... Gmail, we just like constantly be chatting about stuff. And uh, the core thing that you should know, uh, which you know might uh, change the tone of this entire interview, is that all three of us are giant Cleveland Indians fans. I I picked so, up on that. Yeah, um, we're just big Indians fans. Like uh, you know, we when we all grew up in Cleveland together, and I I went to high school with them from sophomore year all on, and uh, Chad always had season tickets. Uh, you know, very generous with them. We'd always, like, go together as a group. And, like, that was, like, uh, to be honest, like, my first real exposure to baseball uh, in a serious way. And, you know, I moved there in 97, right when the uh, famous uh, Indians collapsed against the Marlins. And it really, like, you know, I immediately learned what it was to be a Cleveland fan in, like, every sense of the word. <laughs> uh, well, 
96 was the year, well, you know, they were really great all through the mid-90s, right? Yeah, they were um, awesome the whole time. I'm from western Pennsylvania, so I'm pretty familiar with... So you're, you're very familiar with the situation. So they were awesome, like, I guess from, like, 93, 94 on uh, until, like, 98, 99. But 97 was the year that they lost to the Marlins in the World Series, right? Uh, yeah, the, the Jose Mesa. Right, issues, right, yep. right. Uh, right. <laughs> Uh, 95 was the Braves, right? And they were crazy good in 95 too. That offense was was a monster, but that was really before I was into them. But 97, I sort of saw like my friends' hearts get crushed, and like this like whole new thing of like learning what it was to be a Cleveland sports fan, all that nonsense. Um, but it was like sort of the tie that binds. You know, you like the first year you live in the city, you make like these cool new friends, and you like all experience this heartbreak sort of together. And it wasn't my heartbreak; it was definitely. Chad and Jeff's more than mine, but uh, I've come to own it over time, especially after like the 2007 uh, ALCS when we wouldn't send a loft at home. <laughs> and, and you know, you, you learn you learn what it is to be an Indians fan pretty quickly. But I digress. Um, so uh, I guess in 2005 or so is when uh, Moneyball got published. You know, Billy Bean's famous book or whatever. Uh, and um, right Actually, and. Uh, Brad Pitt wrote that book. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so, so right. So you know, we all read. I mean, how all of us read Moneyball, right? Like it's it's like kind of this great look at what it was to build a baseball team uh, by Michael Lewis, who like really great writer. And um, we basically were like, why are we playing Yahoo Fantasy Baseball every year? This is super dumb compared to what uh, real baseball teams do. Uh, we were learning about, like, the prospect system and, like, the farm, you know, and uh, the Indians farm was, like, actually getting pretty good again, so it was kind of compelling. Um, if you recall, the Indians pulled off one of the best, like, Moneyball-esque trades and trading uh, for Sizemore and Cliff Lee uh, from the Expos, right, for Cologne or exactly. whatever. Right. Got, um, somebody else good in that deal. Cliff Lee. Um, uh, I'm sorry, Brandon. I just ignored Brandon Phillips because he wasn't there when he was good. He, like, right. went on to Cincinnati and became, like, this great second That's baseman. Right. So it was, it was those three guys. Um, and the Indians have done that over the years. You know, they've they're always been, like, sort of this mid-market team. They're not quite as broke as the A's, uh, though they they're seem to be approaching that. Um, but they – so they've always had to be a little bit clever. And, uh, you know, we were sort of learning about Shapiro and, 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 and the front office – that was like coming into form, and uh, we were like, "Why aren't we playing? Why aren't we able to trade for Grady Sizemore when he's a prospect? Why aren't we able to make the bet that Cliff Lee is going to become like Cliff Lee, right? Um, and why aren't we able to like make the kinds of trades that like our favorite team is doing? And all these teams are trying to do to each other, right? It's really a more compelling system in in a lot of ways uh, to be able to say like, "Well, I'm not going to just trade for today. I'm not going to make some sort of weird swap that involves like." this player in this round that I took in this round that ended up being better than expected and I'm going to trade him for a guy in an earlier round because I need saves right now, you know? It was like the entire construction of fantasy baseball like just didn't make sense compared to watching a baseball team and, and watching a team get built. I would agree so, with that. Is that. I mean, does that make sense? Like, you guys... No, I, I think it... Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it was even more... I think it was even easier to realize in the mid-2000s. Um, more so than it is now, I feel like everyone has become much more educated. More, and they're more savvy with it. Yeah, that's a good point, I think. But, like, right in, like, 2004, 2005, we're, like, we're playing, like, we've been playing this fantasy 
been doing like toying with the idea of keepers and we were like this is this is really silly like this is a really silly thing that we're doing so um chad and jeff and i basically just like bounced some ideas off each other like what if there was a game where you just literally had a 40-man roster like a real baseball team that was like one of the first things and it was like let's make them all uh let's make all the players cost money because guess what real baseball teams do they cost money um obviously there's some changes because we were college kids or just out of college so no one was going to say like well uh open salary cap just put as much cash in as you want to like (laughs) we weren't yeah there are definitely constrictions (laughs) right and and you know those good right like could you imagine a league in which people could just put in another hundred bucks like that would be pretty brutal it, like it wouldn't be fun it would be like great that you got paid in 12th place at the end but so yeah. we, we put these like little constrictions on top that aren't necessarily good for baseball but they were good for like competitive balance and us to play against each other um and we just started tracking it in excel spreadsheets so chad i think had a post on fangraphs this week about it um I don't know if you guys saw that. I, I did. That's actually where I got some of these questions from. Uh, okay, great. Did you see it, so, Trey? Sorry. I um, did. Okay. Word. So, so you guys saw, like, you know, Trey, uh, sorry, uh, Chad just had a spreadsheet that it was like a master spreadsheet, and Google Drive wasn't really a thing yet, so we were, like, emailing the spreadsheet around, and, like, it turns out, like, once you uh, go to, for example, a Baseball HQ, like a Ron Chandler-type conference, it turns out there's a lot of older gentlemen who have been doing this for quite a while. We <laughs> thought we were doing this novel thing, like, oh, we're putting all these teams in a spreadsheet and, like, sending it around. And it turns out, like, you know, a lot of people do that, right? It's kind of the way Dynasty Leagues are run right now, right? Or, or were run prior to. <laughs> right, well, I would like to think that, but... Um, so I think like everyone has been in a league that's a little bit like that where you're trading around spreadsheets or whatever. Well, even um, before that, I mean, original fantasy baseball, I think, was guys were cutting box scores out of newspapers and mailing them to each other, or getting the next next day's edition of baseball uh, baseball weekly and, and copying the box scores into something. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And um, right. So like, um, so right. So we were doing that. We were doing that. Um. And uh, I had a pretty good job at the time, and, like, things were fine, and uh, we were doing this game, and it was pretty fun. And, uh, and like, one day uh, we decided, like, well, look, there are these new players that are coming up that people want to add. What's the fairest way of doing it? Well, let's, let's bid on them because they're all worth dollars, and, like, we should just be able to bid, and then whoever has the winning bid and will win. And if you get, like thinking about the mindset of 2005, 2006, uh, I think this was 2006 now, um, we were very much in the eBay mold, right? eBay was, like, ubiquitous. Everyone was, like, toying around with eBay. So we were like, okay, let's just use the eBay bidding system. Um, And I think you guys know the story now, but uh, what happened was uh, a young pitcher in the Philly system was coming up, I believe, and uh, his name's Cole Hamels, and... (laughs) We had someone snipe his auction at the last second over email, which only was possible because he was in a different time zone than everyone else. So, uh, <laughs> and, that, and that was Chad, right? So Chad sniped off of Cole Hamels. And the email exchange is, is actually even funnier than that because um, we have someone bid $3, bid $3 uh, and we have another person who's like, I don't want to be the biggest jerk in the world, but I'm also going to bid $3, which means we're going to have to go to a tiebreaker 
and we're tied in the standings right now, so it's going to be a coin flip. And everyone's like, oh, you know what? That's not that jerk a move. That's super fine. Um, and then uh, two and a half hours later, Chad just bids $3. I think that was in time. And Chad was in last place at this point. So it created this like uproar that was like, Chad, you were up at 3 in the morning, and you sent this email that no one could have beaten. Um, and he's like, look, that's the system, right? And, and you know, like the longer I work and play AutoNew with uh, all of all of you guys, like all the members who play Auto New, you learn that like if the system allows it, it's the system's fault. And it's just the truth. Like it's not if, someone's fault for exploiting the system. Well, right? so I guess can, can I interject real quick? Please. Okay. So I guess that part of that even goes back to like the infamous uh, relief pitcher and starting pitcher slots. Right. You, yep. Where where it's like okay, well it's not it's not against the rules because the system allows it. So is it really? Like, like, a lot of the uproar with that, I felt, um, at least from my perspective, was people who, who just didn't do the work to know that it was allowed, and then got upset that... Right, so... Um, and I could, and that's completely valid, but it would be a similar thing with this Cole Hamels auction, is what it sounds like. No, yeah, that's exactly right. Like, so, like, to speak to the starting pitchers, so what we had was what? If you had dual eligibility starting pitcher and relief pitcher meaning you were like a swingman type guy, you could pitch in a starting pitcher slot and get relief pitcher stats, and that would just depress people's, uh, increase people's rates in a way that was absurdly good, right? Yeah. But, and, and the challenge there, and, and you know, what my sort of line was for a while, uh, to be like honest about it, was that, well, the market should correct for that, and those guys should go for more money. But I think, I, Trey, I might have even talked to you about this like pretty extensively. I talked to a, a bunch of people about I know this. you and I talked about it pretty extensively, but you might not remember those conversations. But No, yeah. No, I mean, I've talked to, I, I, I definitely talked to a bunch of people about this. And um, I think you know, someone gave me like a pretty compelling thing that was like, look, these guys are high variance, but these rates are just too good to give up. So like maybe the system needs to like just do a little bit of balancing here. And that's the system's job at the end of the day for Auto News. So, like, in the case of Cole Hamels, uh, there wasn't a system. And we, we were just sending emails back and forth on this nifty thing called Gmail um, and <clears throat> learning very quickly that that's not, in the, that's not a sustainable way of doing it, right? So um, I'm, I'm technical. Like, I'm a developer, uh, a software developer uh, by trade. So I basically just whipped up a page. The first page, like... Very ironically, given like that, I just removed it from the homepage. Uh, is the auctions page the first page that existed for Auto News? <laughs> and um, yeah, so I I know I just removed it today because we decided it was one of the less uh, less important tabs to have there all the time. But it was the only tab that existed at first. Um, and then out of that, you know, I I really was in. I you know, I am really into baseball, obviously, and so I was reading some books about how to, like, uh, uh, get the XML that MLB, MLB Game Day uses to do uh, research, which I think, like, has become more and more of a thing that people do. Um, and so I was writing a database, basically, that kept in real time uh, all these, I have all the baseball stats, and I realized very quickly that, like, okay, we don't need to transfer between a spreadsheet and Yahoo and this other page to do auctions. We could just make the auctions page do everything for us. So I built a lineups page out, which the lineups page is probably the second thing built, and 
uh, I know like people have been dra- like people have been asking for it to get a facelift, but I'll tell you, I really haven't touched it since like 2007. So uh, it's long overdue, is what I would say to that. And then, you know, everything else sort of came out of that. Uh, so we had like this basic site that had auctions and like player search and and some uh, lineups. And then, uh, you know, we la- I launched, and and then from there, like the features have grown and it's become like a much more like stable and and exciting thing. But like it basically came out of two big things, which is we all read Moneyball and everybody wanted Cole Hamels. So like that, that's why it exists now. <laughs> so Niv, walk us through. I mean, you built it, but it still sounds like, from what you're describing, that it was, you know, a gentleman's game among friends. How did you transition into saying, what if I, you know, what if I roll this out to the public? Right. So it was a gentleman's game among friends, uh, for sure. And um, a lot of my career, like, sort of lines into this. So uh, at the time. In about 2010, now I think, yeah, like early 2010, uh, I was living in California at the time, uh, in Palo Alto, California, and I was working for a startup that had just been acquired by AT&T. So um, I was trying to figure out what my next move was, what I want to do next, and it was like a pretty, you know, lucky situation. I was in a pretty good situation, and I was pretty. Uh, a pretty heavy reader of fan graphs at this time, right? Uh, I think a, a lot of us were and are still today, but uh, 2008, 2009, 2010 is when like, I really got into the advanced stats stuff and like the research stuff. Obviously helped me a lot with AutoNew in terms of like what in my game we wanted to um, use as stats, uh, how we evaluated players, like how we traded and all that stuff. But it also was just like, you know, uh, super enjoyable to learn more about the sport that we're also passionate about. Um, and so uh, I was on this newfangled thing called Twitter, uh, which I guess is turning into a theme that like newfangled technologies keep uh, sprouting up in these stories. But I was on this thing called Twitter, and uh, Eno Saris, who's like a uh, staff writer at Fangraphs now, you guys probably know, yeah, like, read his stuff, know of him. Uh, he was actually tweeting a question about um, doing some database work uh, to do some pitcher evaluation, like pitch FX evaluation. Um, so he was trying to understand, like, well, how do you figure out, like, average curveball speed or whatever for this guy? And I shot him a quick tweet, and I was like, hey, I can help you through this. Just shoot me an email. Um, and he did, because uh, Eno is, like, the friendliest guy on earth. <laughs> and uh, I helped him out with the thing, and he was like, hey, man, next time you're in California, like, let me know. Ha-ha, I'll get you a beer. And I was like, actually, I live in California. He's like, okay, well, next time you're in Northern California, you know, I live in Menlo Park, and that's one town north of Palo Alto. So... I was like, I live here. Buy what? Buy me a beer. So, um, we met at this like sports bar in, in Palo Alto, and I sat down with him, and we sort of talked a little bit about database stuff. And he's like, Why do you know that stuff? And I, I basically just blurted out like, I'm doing this fancy baseball thing. I super like it. I think Fangraphs would really dig it. And over this like beer, which turned into like a pitcher of beer, which is often does, you know. Um, I basically laid out the whole thing, and I was like, hey, man, I think you guys would love this. I think you guys should play it. I think uh, I would love to, like, launch it with you guys. And I was just like, I guess I had been scheming on this for a while, but I finally, like, had a person to tell it This was like getting in the room with the right people. Yeah, it's all it was. And, like, so, like, if there's any advice to give anyone out there, it's, like, be nice to people on Twitter and always take someone up on a beer. It's super worth it. Uh, 
Do you remember what kind of beer it was? Uh, it was bad. It wasn't good. <laughs> um, Eno and I have both gotten much better at picking our beers since then. Um, I, I remember the bar itself was actually like a pretty lousy sports bar. Um, that it, was a first, it was a first date. That's okay. It was a first date. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, you know, it's, it, uh, you know, if you haven't seen a picture of him, he has like some pretty crazy hair. Um, so I saw this guy who looked like a little bit like looking around the bar, and I was like, that could be the guy, except there's no one on earth who has that hair. So there's no way that I'm the person who he's looking for, right? But it turns out uh, it was, you know, and uh, yeah, so I just got in the room with him and I talked to him about it. And he just shot an email to David Appleman, who's um, sort of the owner of Fangraphs. Not sort of, he is the owner of Fangraphs. Uh, and uh, and I guess I had a few phone calls with David after that. And it, it happened pretty quickly to the point where um, by October, we were like hammering out details on like how we were going to roll the game out to the greater group. And I was giving my notice for my job. And uh, it, it all just snowballed super quick because uh, once you start talking to those guys, they're, like, really open to ideas. They're really interested. And, like, I guess, you know, the game had a little bit of legs to it. Um, and then 2011, uh, like, Valentine's Day 2011, right? And, and the rest is whatever it is. Wow. Okay. So it was really just, like, I got in the room with Eno and then all of a sudden, I was having phone calls with this guy, David Appleman, who I had like heard of so, uh, once. And then uh, now I'm actually pretty good friends with David Appleman and uh, and you know, and uh, I know all those Fangraphs guys, which is pretty crazy and great. And uh, and and all the auto news stuff is working out super great with them. So it's it's been pretty pretty lucky, but also like you know, just get a beer with the guy, send out a tweet, even if it's like a weird thing that you don't know if he'll respond to. I don't know if that makes sense. But. No, I think that makes complete sense. I, yeah. It definitely helps to clear up. I, I didn't understand when you had mentioned the Cole Hamels story that it was like an eBay system. Right. So the Cole Hamels thing was pretty crazy because it was definitely an eBay system and it was tie goes to the lowest team in the standings. Um, but we had snipes, right? Yeah. Right now, like, it's probably why bidding is the way it is in Auto New. And I don't ever see that changing. I don't think you guys would ever want it to change. You mean 48 hour blind bidding is literally because we had this guy turn it back into waiver wire nonsense, right? Because what we wanted to avoid was like, hey, this new person just got added to the universe. Like, who clicks add the first? Well, who right. is at their computer the first? Right? That's not that's not telling you that you're good at player evaluation, right? right. You right. wanted to avoid the the twelfth grade kid who doesn't have a job who just sits at home and clicks out. Oh, that's right. You want to avoid, and you know, I wasn't thinking about it in the larger system. I just want to avoid the idea that, like, if we're moving away from Yahoo, let's do something that's actually interesting and different. And like, when a, you know, and it, and it proved out itself pretty quickly. Like, we were talking, like, okay, if Grady Sizemore uh, was just added to our pool right now, how would we want to be able to evaluate who gets him? And it's really the person who's willing to spend the most, which is correct, right? So we should submit the bid and let the computer choose who, who spent the most. We shouldn't say, like, the first person to click on Grady's eyes were his name or the person who times it right, because that's just not the same thing. Uh, that's not the same thing in terms of player. Well, well I think any time that playing AutoNew isn't a full-time job, you, you can't <laughs> just have the first person to click add. Right, 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 right. It's already... If we were all millionaires and didn't do anything besides play this game, then sure, then, go ahead and do that, but that's not the case. The, then everyone's at the fine, but, right. Um, 
the, and it's also what makes it, the sorry. Uh, it's also what makes the auction draft super fun because uh, the auction draft's like a refreshing, different change in a way, right? Exactly. Yeah. You were starting to say something, Trey. Yeah, sorry, Trey. No, I didn't mean to interrupt, but uh, I think I think you make a great point about the way you change the system. The only thing I wanted to ask, though, is that you didn't mention is the scoring. Um, right. Because, I mean, I, there's a lot of things I like about it, but the scoring is my favorite. I'm specifically talking about uh, linear weights and fangraph points. But how did that – was that the original design? I know Justin Mary had something to do with the scoring, and, and that came from fangraphs, but – did the scoring ever change? Was it ever tweaked? Tell us about that. Yeah, sure. So, um, uh, again, in the same way that I said I'm a Cleveland Indians fan, uh, my league plays 4x4. Four four. So, again, let's not let that color too much of the conversation. But what we were coming from, right, like originally is we were looking at 5x5 uh, five five rotisserie leagues, right? So very classic, like batting average, RBI, uh, uh, home runs, stolen bases, saves, uh, ERA whip, which are like actually the more progressive of those numbers, but we're looking at a collection of numbers that like some of them are interesting, some of them are not, and um, and we just wanted to break away from that. So we started with like really clearly being like, well, let's 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 create like our version of a sabermetric thing that Niv can calculate really easily um, using the database that Niv's put together, right? So I put together this like sort of baseball database, this game day database, and how can, what, what rate stats, what can we put together? So those are like what, like on-base percentage, slugging, runs, home runs. Um, uh, it used to be slugging allowed, it turned into um, home run rate, uh, ERA. Uh, so, you know, avoiding like, very clearly avoiding saves, very clearly avoiding like stolen bases and stuff that's like not necessarily <laughs> Uh, was maybe overrated in like the mid two thousands and, and earlier than that. It that seems it seems like from what you're saying then that the progression for the stats and you'll probably elaborate on Fangraphs points in a second, but was almost like a logical progression based on the data that you had at the time. Right. So it was definitely based on availability, and it was also based on the idea that none of us had any uh, concept of a points league. So we were definitely still like in this rotisserie mindset, right? This mm-hmm. like play uh, 4x4, play 5x5, balance the pitching and the hitting, um, and balance them off each other. So, um, and you know, we, we, I, I was able to launch with like 4x4, 5x5, but then like the first time I sat down with David, um, or like once we had actually like hammered out a deal, David came to me with this idea that was like, well, I want to make something that makes this like actually a positively fan graphs experience, right? Like something that's actually like a little bit different. And I was like, well, I think the 4x4 is different, he agreed, but uh, he, he, David is actually a big fan of head-to-head leagues. He likes playing head-to-head, and I know I've gotten a lot of requests for head-to-head. Um, if I can, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute, but uh, but the, the, the fundamental scoring system there is then, like, you can do head-to-head categories, but you can also do head-to-head points, right? Um, and, you know, honestly, like, it's embarrassing to me because I played fantasy football for a long time too. I never really put together the idea that you could like score baseball in the same way you score football. Like I just hadn't crossed my mind really until, uh, David sat down with me in a bar and was like, well, what if you made stolen bases worth this, but then a double is worth this. And I was like, Oh, 
oh, so they're like, oh, that's super clever. And I was like, oh, man, that's dumb. I should have thought of that. And then it's like, why haven't we been doing this for right, the past 10 exactly. years? Yeah. And, um, and right, so Trey nailed it. Like, Justin, uh, who was writing for Fangraphs at the time, sort of had this, like, linear weight system that he was, like, manually working through Yahoo. And he was gracious enough to, like, sort of give me the numbers on that. And uh, once I had the concept, it was like, let's put that together. And then I think there's another point system that, like, weights things a little bit differently, right? And, um, and you know, that's, like, not hard to put together. And once you realize that, like, and, you know, Fangraph points are, like, really this, like, great completionist view of how to build a baseball team, right? It's like, you know how much saves are worth, you know how much a stolen base is worth, you know how much, like, a double is worth or whatever, and, like, an out uh, for a pitcher and a hitter. And all of a sudden, you start seeing these, like, amazing, like, patterns across your whole team, right? Um, where you guys are, like, doing um, player comparisons across, like, positions that you wouldn't expect and across uh, across the whole team, right? Which makes sense because at the end of the day, like, it's the same thing that a baseball team is doing, which is, like, how do I construct the, enough wins to get me into the playoffs, right? Um, and it's sometimes teams will go super pitching heavy and sometimes a team will go very... Uh, you know, hitter focus like the mid '90s Indians, um, but it's a question of just getting. How do I get to the 90 wins that I need to get to get into the playoffs, right? Yeah, so, exactly. So I, I super dig that. I think it's um, like I, you know, on one hand I'm saying like, yeah, I never, I don't play it, but on the other hand, I think it's like this really graceful, interesting uh, way of playing fantasy baseball. And yeah, I mean, the only thing that isn't isn't added in that in some form or fashion well people may quibble over what specific stats are being counted for is really defense right and in defense you know i i think uh and i've said this to i think both of you individually and i will say it to anybody is like nobody really knows how to do defense anywhere right yeah and like not, even, say, in, not even in the major league they don't know how to do it. right that's right and and i would say like you know we're learning a lot like you see the rays trying out all these shifts right and really, like, taking the shift to, like, this, like, crazy new level. And, like, maybe we're going to learn that, like, you just shift a few guys around and you can all of a sudden have, like, three duds in the outfield and still get to every ball, right? Um, and, and you know, as we learn that stuff, and, and I, I take it pretty seriously, I think, like, we know what, a, what the worth of a double is, right? We know what the worth of a single is. We know what the worth of not getting out is. Um, and, like, if you're going to build a game... Uh, or really any system of evaluation, uh, it's very helpful to say, like, well, I know what this value is. Once you get into this, like, sort of shady gray area of defense, like, that mixes up shifts and mixes up batted ball data and it mixes up, like, all these different things, and even, like, looking at what field effects might bring to the table, which is, like, the new Major League Baseball stuff. and The trackman data that there will hopefully be public. Right, the player tracking and all that stuff. Like, even that, like, it asks more questions than it answers right now and I don't think that's going to be a permanent state but I think we can agree that right now that is the state of defense well it's like when pitch FX was originally released <laughs> right right and we all learn about uh, you know everything about like breaking and, and even catcher alignment and all that stuff right yeah catcher exactly positioning. yeah so um, yeah so defense still a little bit off the table because it's just not it's not a thing you want to build a system around because it's high variance. And, like, when I say high variance, I mean, like, the, the range of outcomes is ridiculously high, right? Um, if you were doing a game-by-game -game basis of uh, someone that, if all three of us could be in a room and say, like, 
We think X is a very good. Uh, who's who do you guys think is the best defensive shortstop? Like I can't think off the top of my head. Andrelton right Simmons. Yeah, sure. So Andrelton Simmons, right? He's excellent. But if you went game by game on him, if you did a point system that was like based off of using uh, like zone rating or or something else like that, you would find like a lot of noise in there, right? Well, even more so if you were doing like head to head or whatever. But yeah, right. Yeah. But well, I think I think Johnny Peralta was the like best defensive shortstop last year. I mean, I'm not sure I'll buy that. He was terrible a couple years before that. Yeah, and if you and, and also he doesn't pass the eye test, right? You guys have watched Johnny Peralta play. He doesn't have like the most range in the world. Right. Uh, but what he does is any ball that he tries to get, he gets. And if that's what it means to be a good defensive player, like count me out. <laughs> right? I like yeah, the guys who are gonna I, 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 ball they need to get and a few that they won't, right? Yeah, I, I agree with your main point. I it, it's hard to even if you decided that you wanted to incorporate defense, it's really hard to determine what the best way to do that is and how to do so in such a way that answers more questions than it asks. That's exactly right. Right. So So I think once we learn more about that stuff, like collectively as a community that's interested in understanding baseball, um, I think there's obviously room for that in all kinds of games and all kinds of everything, but, but we're not there yet. Okay, so... You talked about a lot of the, how a lot of this has developed. What changes do you see going forward? I, not referring to football. I, that's... Sure. Putting football aside, um, the number one thing is like the user interface stuff. I think uh, there's we've we've gotten to a point where stability is like pretty good. Um, you, made, you made a big change. Last Knock on year. wood. <laughs> yeah. All right. I made a big change last year in the auction draft stuff, and I think. Uh, the word this year is it's been a lot better. Uh, they're a lot snappier. I don't know if you guys have, you guys have drafted so far, right? I, I've drafted four times. I haven't had any issues. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's pretty solid. I'll take that. Yeah. Um, we drafted uh, just last Saturday, and, and we had a pretty smooth draft. The only issues were user errors uh, above everything else, so that was pretty great. Um, like a $1 Cole Hamble? <laughs> no, like, a, yeah, that would be a user error. Well, I, I did get a $7 Joe Bauer, so if you want user errors, I, I got them for you. There you go. Uh, but uh, I also, you know, just missing your turn and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, so the, I think, like, we're in a – I'm hoping we're at a point of, like, stability that, like, people can feel pretty confident in the platform. Um, I think the lineups page uh, completely needs to be revamped. Um, but that's, like, you know, looking at small UX-type changes, I think, that can improve the overall – professionalization of the experience, I guess. Yeah, I feel like at this point it's more, at least from what you're saying now, is that a lot of it is just tweaks as opposed to wholesale changes. Yeah, I mean, I want to clean it up. Um, what, I want to clean it up so it like just it feels better to use. I want to make it feel like you're coming to, uh, and I, it does, you know, in its own way, feel like a baseball place right now, but I want to make it feel like it's, it's a baseball place, right? Um, people are spending a ton of time on the site, um, it should be an enjoyable experience uh, and not one that you have to sort of navigate your way around and be clever in order to use it the way you want to. Um, let's be clear. I mean, this is probably a good segue, but you are auto-new, correct? Yeah, I'm in. So that's, like, very worth saying. Um, and it's not my full-time job. I have a full-time job, and I do this on nights and weekends. Uh, it... it uh, it's fun for me, obviously. I care deeply about everyone who plays it, which I think I try to show. Um, and it's just me. So, like, if you guys, like, obviously, 
when you guys are sending emails, I'm the only person reading them. Uh, sometimes my girlfriend laughs over my shoulder. And uh, when you guys are tweeting, it's tweeting at me. Uh, Facebook, uh, my girlfriend's taking over a little bit more, but, you know, I'll take that trade-off. But uh, if you're emailing, you're, you're emailing a human being, and that human being is me uh, every time. And I'm going to do whatever I can to make it, like, uh, a good experience for you, right? So that's sort of my principle on that stuff. Yeah. I think that's really where I'm at uh, for 2015. I think it, it's been funny to me even starting like with the Otter New community and like the Twitter site that I run that people think I'm you. So <laughs> there have been times that like people are asking me about the draft, like if they have a draft hiccup and I'm like, I can't fix this. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people just try to reach out where they can. Um, the one thing I've run into above everything else, uh, I think actually Trey could probably like back me up on this a little bit. People are often surprised that I'm a human being that will respond to you in a human way. Um, <laughs> I know, like, uh, I've had a few people email me in, like, sort of the tone they use with companies, if that makes sense. And then yeah. <laughs> I pop them back with, like, hey, uh, I'll try to help you out, man, but, uh, you know, I'm doing, like, 12 things over here, but I'll do whatever I can to help you out. And, like, you know, I'm always quick to, like, uh, help people out uh, with whatever problems they have as much as I can. But people are often surprised by that, and, and they really put their guard up because, which is, says this whole thing about corporate culture that I don't want to get into, but uh, <laughs> I'm a human and I'm trying to help you guys out. I'm trying to help everyone out. And I think, you know, it, it, sh it shows in the community that we foster uh, uh, around the game and like the way that people love engaging with it and love talking about it. And also like, you know, I haven't really had any real pain in, pain in the butt customers. Uh, again, knock on wood on that, but people have been pretty great once they realize that I'm, uh, I am uh, the only person that's over here doing all the stuff, and and it's been pretty good. So, yeah, I'm the only person, um, and uh, and once and, and generally, like it's good to remember that because I, I, w I would like to do everything a lot faster, but uh, it's not currently possible. No, considering I... considering how it, it feels like it's growing, I'm looking at it from the outside in, but I mean. I think the service has been second to none. I think you've grown a lot by word of mouth just by, even, though you're, even though you're a one-man band, I mean, you have been extremely respons responsive to uh, to any issue, so thank you for that. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I uh, I often get made fun of when I go, I, so I have my day job, I work at Vox Media, uh, which is this, uh, SB Nation is one of our uh, big properties. So I actually uh, work there, and uh, people always, laughing at me when I'm like when I'm going on a trip for work and I have to bring two laptops because I have to in case if anything happens to auto new god forbid like I have to just drop everything and get to it and and uh, those you know my day job is super great about that and really accommodating me about that stuff but at the end of the day you know I'm doing what I can and I, and I hope that I can like maintain that and that's like a really important thing for me to be able to maintain um, the kind of like not only the kind of uh, service that I'm able to provide over email and like uh, in Slack now and all those places, but the kind of community we'd be able to put together of people who are just, you know, pretty pretty nice people that are that like talking about baseball, which is why I got into this in the first place, right? I had some nice friends that we like talking about baseball. Yeah, I think that's really what this has become. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so. Um, so, sorry, Joe, you asked me a little bit about, like, what changes are coming up. So, like, I can speak, like, speaking of 2015 and sort of the near term, I want to do that. Obviously, there's this whole football thing that I know you want to get into, so I'll, I'll leave that for later. Um, but, the, like, the next things I could see happening um, are, like, some very often 
there's sort of two prongs on that, and one is like making the game a little bit more platformy, a little bit more meaning, a little bit more of a customized uh, experience. Um, I don't want to like commit to anything, but like thinking about the idea of like people being able to create their own point sets, or people being able to like actually make a choice to make their keeper deadline like right before their draft, right? Or like having more teams in a league, like things of that exactly. nature. Or something as simple as having a ten-team league or a fourteen-team league. Um, I really wanted to keep it uh, sort of not customizable for the first couple years because I wanted people to have like a new like when you see an auto new dollar value you should know what that means um especially if you're trying to learn what the game is uh if i'm telling you i have a 16 dollar albert pujols like there's very there are only very few parameters that you have to ask around that um right now uh if if in a world with multiple size leagues and um that 16 dollar albert pujols looks either much better or much worse and there's like you know a whole different range to deal with there, right? Oh, I agree completely, having done replacement level work and my own dollar values. Right, right. So, um, but but I think like we're at a point now, we're at a threshold where like it might be valuable to be a little more customizable there. And then the other thing I want to do, because like I am like at the end of the day, like a big like data nerd and a big like baseball nerd, is I want to empower the nerds on this stuff. Um, you guys saw the change like I made a couple days ago where like I added all those IDs to the uh, roster export. Yes, thank you. That was great. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Yeah, I mean, you call me out on it pretty hard, so I had to like, just get to it. <laughs> on, on Twitter, I got called out pretty hard by Joe, so I had to do it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Trey, you've been asking for that for like a long time, I believe. Like a much longer time, like like three, two, three years. Um, so I'm glad I'm able to, like, to finally knock that out and, and like architect that system so it can do that. But what I really want to do is like empower you guys with even more research tools on that stuff, um, and really make it like an engaging, like deep thing. Like if I can work out with uh, the appropriate folks so that I can get projection systems into um, into Auto News, so you can just see your projections right there. If I can start um, building uh, tools that allow people to like automate uh, platooning, um, all kinds of like crazy stuff like that. Wow. that so okay. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> blow your mind. Yeah. yeah. So like, uh, we often talked about like, uh, I'll just throw something out there, right? This is not. I'm not building this this week. I'm not building it this year. Yeah, we're not holding you to any of this. So. But uh, go crazy. we talked about like a priority system where you said like, here I'm going to set up some rules, and these are the rules by which you should evaluate. You should evaluate these rules and then build my lineup for me. So if I built a crazy tool that said like, if it's a left-handed pitcher, um, here are the people that bat never play these people and always play these people and then all of a sudden you have this like ability to have like nine outfielders that all sort of spot start but you can actually build like an amazing outfield out of that right um or if you like you know if you had a system that like literally instead of having the two catcher slots that confuses about 12 people every year (laughs) um like consistently every year there's like uh, 12 new people are like, is this a two-catcher league? I don't get it. And I don't blame them for not getting it. I would just love it to be like a platoon system where you're just like, here's my catcher one, here's my catcher two. And if catcher one's not playing, put in catcher two. And if they're neither not playing, then fine, I don't get a game today. But like that kind of like minutia around management of the game, like I think takes away from like the overall like trend of the game, which is like supposed to look long-term and dynasty. In true dynasty, like you know, 10 years and 20 years and not just, like, 
uh, he's the one starting at 7.04, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, I think... And, then, and yeah, and so, like, just enabling the nerds, like, I was thinking, like, I, I'm trying to get it so, like, I could maybe even put the database up somewhere so, like, people who are really hardcore into SQL could, like, look at it. I was thinking, like, some other, like, research tools like that that could be, like, fun. So, I mean, stuff like that super interests me, and I'd love to start enabling that pretty soon. Yeah, that, that sounds awesome to me. I, I don't know about you, Trey. Well, I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, those are some things that I hadn't even thought of. I mean, speaking of nerds, I mean, I, I've been involved in conversations with people who say uh, you, they wish that projections never show up on Autonew because part of the part of right, the fun right. and part of the challenge is, is crunching the numbers yourself and, and trying to get a feel. I mean, you're never going to please everyone, but it is interesting if, if it becomes more and more customizable, I think it would be uh, uh, beneficial. Well, and I think that's something that we probably all deal with in different ways, too, is how much data we actually want to release. It's like the auction calculator that I made. Right. I mean, there are a lot of people in my leagues who have used it. Does that help me or hurt me? And it's, it's the same thing with putting projections online, I guess. That's super right. And I think, like, you know, one potential avenue for that is just to make, a, like, a separate research portal that's, like, a different experience that like plugs in your team really well. Fangraphs um, does that uh, actually incredibly well with their suite of tools that David's built for that. Um, David's done the exact same thing on the Fangraphs side. Like if you guys look at the toolbar and like go through like sortable stats and stuff, he was just trying to do draft research. So he was like, "Well, fine, I'm going to put Nib stuff into this into my normal Fangraphs tables," and all of a sudden you have like this really great search tool, this really great free agent list, and all this stuff that. That you know, do you want to share it with everyone? Well, I guess you have to because you just put it on Fangraphs.com. But but there's like yeah. a lot of stuff like that. So I guess one of the things that I've kind of wrestled with and I've become much more open with, I guess, is the idea of it, the long-term goal being to build smarter owners. Because there are so many people who have just started playing who really have no idea what they're doing. Yeah. Okay. So it's like, do we really want to leave all of these people in the dark and let them figure it out on their own? Because I know that that's what I did, and I'm assuming that's what you did as well, Trey, or do we want to try to educate everyone as best as we can so that really this just becomes a more competitive experience? And I guess that's kind of what I'm trending towards more now. Um, yeah, I think it comes in cycles. I don't, Trey, I'd love to hear what you think about that, actually. Um, I don't mean to put you guys in the spot. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I mean, like, I'll, I'll, go, I'll, I'll go first, Trey. I, I want to hear what you think, too, though. Um, I think, like, first of all, uh, I've been playing it for 10 years. I'm terrible. Like, I'm, I'm super not smart. Um, I know all the angles. I know how to research. I know um, what park effects are. I know, like, how to look at a guy's career and figure out which year is the bust year. I know how to, like, evaluate prospects, like, to a level, um, to a point where, like, you know, if you looked at my team, you'd be like, ah, oh, that's a pretty good farm. It's, it's all right. Um, but my team stinks. Like, my team super stinks. I don't have the right pitching this year, and, and it's just a hard game in that sense. It's hard to, like, put together a full team like that uh, that can actually do everything. And, like, we were joking about it during our draft is, like, the way that you win auto-new in our league now especially is all your players do 10% above their best projections possible. And also you get, like, this one player to have, or one or two players to have career years that no one even saw coming. Or so, Kluber. Right, like, right, exactly. Kluber. Kluber's exactly a great example. Brantley would be the other one. <laughs> Sorry? Brantley would be the other one since we're staying yeah, Indians. Yeah, right. Well, I actually have Brantley, so I don't want to use Brantley as an example. Kluber! 
Kluber. Let's stick with Kluber. Um, but right, like guys like that who come out of nowhere, who have these like amazing years, and that's what it takes now. But that's because like my league has gotten like pretty smart and pretty like shared set of knowledge around how they want to, how people want to play, and like um, a pretty like smart group of people. When um, you've been playing, like, you've been playing like, so long that you probably have owner tendencies that everyone's right. aware of too. We definitely have owner, owner tendencies for sure. Um, uh, right. So, so like, I think there's like this baseline you can achieve of just like how does the system work? What kind of problems should I be thinking about? What kind of things are like the questions? Right. You get um, on Twitter. You guys get these questions all the time. Uh, I think actually you guys get them more than I do because I try to retweet them so that you'll reply to them. Um, how many relief pitchers should I carry, right? What's the right balance of budget between batters and pitchers? And and that's the game, right? <laughs> it's like um, it's like if you're playing uh, Mario Brothers, right? And you're like, how do I how do I beat this level? And you're like, well, I'm, I can write it to you, but but th- that's the game. That's the whole game. I can pick up the controller and play it for you, but that's the game. So you have to like sort of get this like understanding of like to use the video game example a little bit more is like here's what the buttons do, and here's, like, how you move around. Uh, guess what? Like, your goal is to get from here to here in this much time. Good luck. Well, it's like you can you can tell people how to use a controller, but you can't make them push the buttons. Right, that's right. And um, I don't think you, we should be under any obligation to do that because um, as long as you give people the right tools and the right, like, guidance on, like, the general principles, you're going to find, like, it's dangerous to say, like, well, here's the right way to play because it turns out that we could all be wrong, Right. Uh, when I think so many times the right way to play is based on other people doing, and I say this in air quotes, the wrong things. Right. Right. No, right. And I think um, a lot of times the right way to play is it's super dependent. It's super dependent on who you're playing with and how smart they are, with what interests they have. Um, it's super dependent on playing off owner tendencies. It's super dependent on uh, luck. Um, and, and you know what? Like, there are people who have used strategies that, like, I would super not agree with, but consistently do well. So, so you're going to sit here and tell me that they're doing it the wrong way? Like, it's hard to say that, right? Yeah. What do you think, Trey? I, I think that if, you know, if I were in Niv's shoes and I were designing my own fantasy uh, format, I would want it to be difficult. I would want it to be challenging. And I would want it to be more like a game of poker than... Um, than a game where as long as soon as I figure out the the rules, then I can play those every single time and, and win every time. I, I want to play. That's I want right. to play the owners more than I want to play the format. Well, I guess that kind of leads into the Champions League too, then, because that's basically what we've done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you know it, it's a hard game to get to figure out, and I and I think you both said it well that there's there's not one way or one right way to win or to play, which is very apparent from many of the discussions that I've had in my own league and in the Slack community. I mean, there are heated debates every year about how to evaluate prospects, whether or not to use relief pitchers or pay for them or, or that sort of thing. That's what you want because that shows you that there's enough variance to, you know, for other for different strategies to work. I, I the reason I really enjoy Auto News because I played in a um, in a points league at CBS for ten or twelve years. I mean, I, I sort of figured out the, the code. I, I, I figured out how to win, and I think I, I was in the playoffs literally you know, 10 out of 12 years. And it, 
it was fun because I enjoyed the guys I played with, but it wasn't a challenge anymore. Mm-hmm. And auto new is a challenge. Auto new is a challenge because I feel like if you get close to being, if you have a shot at the title, um, you really got to take it because it could be, it could turn on you very quickly the following year, and you could be you could be looking up for another four or five years. That's right. That's super right. And and you know in that sense, like I think that's like when you so to go back to the starting pitcher, relief pitcher, sort of dual eligibility thing, that turned into a system, you know, being able to, like, game that became something that was, like, a little too, a little too, it's maybe not going to give you a 100% chance of, chance of winning, but it, it, it tilted the favor a little bit too much in your favor if you, if you pull that off well. And so, like, you want to remove stuff like that, and you want to keep it so that there is a lot of different ways of doing it. And, you know, people get hurt, you know, like we saw this week, and, and all kinds of nonsense happens here, there, and everywhere, and and so you want you want it to be like real baseball, where like guess what, like you show up and you you do the best you can, and and you win a few and you lose a few, and then who knows, right? Exactly. Oh, so, no, go ahead. Any challenges that uh, that you have as far as growing the game? We haven't really talked about. Um, we talked about baseball statistics but what about auto new in itself i mean how many leagues are there how many owners is it growing tell us a little bit about that yeah so um here actually you know what i will pull up the number right now to get you guys a real number um so like you know when i think of that like i think of it in terms of the business right and one day i would like it to be uh to be like a full-time job for me right now there's uh 182 active leagues. That does not mean they're all full. Um, it looks like, you know, probably 175 full leagues right now. Maybe a, f- a few less than that. And, um, and uh, sorry, so, you know, how many owners for that? A lot of people have multiple teams, as, you know, you guys have already spoken to, um, which which really is great. can't, like, emphasize enough how awesome that is. Um, but what I'd like to do, like, one, like, uh, I definitely push back when you guys, like, when I get features or uh, feature requests that are a little too esoteric, um, things that I think will either make the game a little too complicated for average people to pick up, which is already, like, a pretty intimidating game, but I think at the end of the day, um, it's intimidating, like we were just talking about, and it's, like, a very hard game, but, you know, poker is that way, too, until you sort of get used to, like, the way the different hands work, like, it's not the hardest game in the world to pick up, right? It's not, there's not, like, a bunch of, like, crazy new concepts. I think once you start playing, it, it, it isn't nearly as difficult as it, as it originally appears. Right, right. And so, so you just sort of nailed the problem, which is, like, one, don't ever make it more difficult than it originally appears, and two, make it originally appear not so difficult, right? And, like, when you're growing the business, yeah, that's those it. are the two most important things. You almost have to make it, you almost have to dumb it down publicly right so one of the things i'm super bad at uh is talking about it in the simplest terms right uh a big problem with that is that i've written every single line of code in the system and i've uh seen it grow from like you know valentine's day when i was like sitting there in my apartment like refreshing the page to um to like now uh, like four years later and uh and just like I've been so in the weeds on it that, like, I need to get just a better job of... I need to help get some help uh, figuring out how to present it in a way that's, like, really easy. 
I love that you know the Slack community you guys you guys put together. Uh, quite frankly, uh, is one of those things that like makes people people are able to like dip their toe in a little bit and they realize like oh this is awesome and this is not actually that hard and all of a sudden they own three teams you know and they're like what what happened to my life but <laughs> <laughs> but um but right so the goal is to present it in that way that gets people to just dip the toe in a little bit because i think once you dip your toe in uh if you like baseball at all like i don't think there's like i have, I have a lot of confidence in it as a product uh i think it's like super fun to play and i still think it's fun to play and i think it's if you have the right owners you're playing with, it's just like it could last for a really long time. And um, well, and going back to your original point with Eno, it was really just getting in the room with the right people. I that's think right. I think the so same thing with the game is getting the right people in the room. That's right. That's exactly. That's a great way of putting it. Um, it's just like get the person in the room and give them, the, but give them the pitch that 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 isn't the scary pitch, right? And right now, I think there's like most. It's like not scary, scary, but it goes back to like. What I was saying before about what I want to improve this year, I definitely want to um, design, uh, redesign some stuff and make make uh, the landing page way friendlier and way like maybe even more graphical and clean and like inviting. Inviting, that's right. That's a great way of putting it. Not a bunch of text and numbers, uh, though. There's an argument to be made that I might be appealing to my audience if I put a bunch of text and numbers. <laughs> but, right, but you know, like just make it a little more inviting. So in terms of growth, I think that's a big thing. Uh, and the, the second piece of growth, and like I'll just I'll tee it up, uh, is 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 launching in other sports. Yeah, I, I think football is going to be huge. Right. Just, so, I mean, and I say that as someone who doesn't particularly care for fantasy football, but I know that football, at least in America, is king. Um, so it wouldn't yeah, surprise me at all if you have as many, if not more, people playing that in two years than you do baseball. Right. So I. I've heard a lot of different estimates. Um, there's, you know, uh, I'm pretty good friends with the guys over at Rotowire, and um, I don't know if you guys use that site at all, but like uh, Peter over there told me that their traffic's something like 10x for football over everything else. Um, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, and, and you know, like obviously there's some hardcore baseball guys there, and, and they have like this weird segment of the audience, but it's just a crazy number. It's a crazy number, and. One of the other things he said to me, like pretty straightforwardly, is there's very few people that would play baseball and not play football, and there's going to be a lot more people that will just play football. So I I agree with that. One of the questions I had specifically as it relates to football is, will it still be launched through Fangraphs, or is it going to be a separate entrance entirely? The only reason right. I ask is because Fangraphs is a, a baseball site, so right. I I wasn't really sure. How no, that it's, a great, it's a great question. Um, just to back up, like I, I definitely, you know, we launched the beta last year. I guess I should really call it an alpha uh, towards the end of last season. It went pretty well. Um, a few people were engaged. A few people weren't. Um, the system, if you know, auto new is very similar uh, to the baseball game. Uh, you know, players are worth money. You can trade them and get loans and whatnot. Um, not trying to do anything crazy on the stat side there yet, uh, though obviously there's opportunity to grow into that. So is it just like um, standard points settings for? Yeah, it's just a very standard. I think uh, the at launch is probably just gonna have like one point setting okay. that is like kind of like a standard one because I just don't want to make that a variable uh, upfront. Not because not for the same reasons I said before about like dollar values, but just because it's one less thing to have to build. 
Um, no, that's like, understandable, at least initially. Yeah, right. It'd, it'd be an initial thing, temporary for sure. And you know, I don't mind having like a little bit of a smaller audience in year one, as long as it can like hone out, uh, iron out all the bugs, and then and then dig into it going forward. Um, but I'm hoping to launch it this fall. Uh, I'm still hoping to do that, um, and it will be launched with Bangraphs uh, if it does happen. Which again, I'm really hoping to do that. Um, the reason for that, like very simply, is like I have a great relationship with David. Um, he is uh, a huge football fan, so he wouldn't really let me get away from him. <laughs> and uh, he also like he helps. He has a great relationship with uh, uh, the various uh, data providers that you need to run these leagues. Um, and so he's helped me navigate that in a really uh, awesome way. So uh, I trust him on the servers and on getting the data, and uh, he trusts me to build the game. So it's it's a good relationship for me and uh, and for him. So I'm I'm sticking with that. I wonder if that leads to Fangraphs becoming more football focused then. So I've had that conversation with him many times. He's very interested in figuring out ways to do that. Um, he doesn't want to make it football focused, obviously, but um, Fangraphs was always uh, in his mind like sort of a general. Uh, sports site for fans to be able to like really get nerded out right really nerded out yeah um they started with baseball and they kind of hit this like great gold mine with baseball and they, they did such a great job there with especially with dave cameron you know and carson and like all the great names that we know like written there over the years uh they just had this great talent uh to write about baseball that it ended up sort of taking over everything um and I, you know, I don't want to speak for David. I don't know like what he wants to do in terms of editorial stuff or whatever. It's totally his call, obviously. Um, but I know he likes football a lot personally. I know he has asked me to build football for a little while now. So I'm, I'm hoping that the result of that is some some fangrass coverage. Cool. Did you have any specific questions on that, Trey? No, um, I'm not a I'm not a huge football guy either. I, I have a hard time dedicating my, my interest elsewhere, but I am interested. I What I do hope is that I hope eventually, like you've done with Auto New and Baseball, you bring a different and unique um, style to it that you can't find anywhere else. So, Yeah, I think, I hope to do that, uh, Trey. I think it's like, what like the, really the goal is, it's not really fun if you're just recreating Yahoo, right? But, or, or you know, Yahoo or CBS or ESPN. Um, I think, uh, in my mind, like the big difference, the, the big differentiators on day one would be uh, the auction bidding for everybody, uh, forty-eight hour blind bids, and then live bidding the, to start the league up. Being able to trade in that way with loans and everything that would be great. That would be great. The college um, players is another one. You're right. So, um, so that would be like the you said college players, right? Yeah, like draftees and such. Right. So the idea there is actually to like sort of I'm sorry? You can draft college players? Yeah, so that would be uh the replacement for the minors, which Oh wow. Alright, I might be I might be more interested now. <laughs> so You're a big Clemson fan, Trey, so right? That's that's college football country. Um Yeah, so right, so like the idea again, it's a little bit different and you know, in a in a way like I it gets like pretty philosophical for me because like you know as a person who pays attention to football and all the stuff that's happening there and pays attention to like the way the NCAA treats students and all that stuff <laughs> it's hard to deal with that stuff but at the same time like if you're looking at it very clear like clearly like clear eyes like uh college football is the minor 
minor leagues for the NFL. It's where they learn how to play football. It's where they train and where they hone their skill to be able to become professionals, right? It's where athletes do that. Um, I agree. So, uh, just looking at it like very plainly like that, uh, it's like you wouldn't be able to get points off of college players, but you'd be able to stash them in the same way that you stash double uh, A prospects today, right? right. Um, and I'm figuring out like exactly what the data system looks like there, and like how big the college universe is. I know it's a ton of players, um, and at the end of the day, you're not going to be really picking, except from like the very top two rounds of those guys, offensive players from those guys. But if you sort of like think through the process in your head, and you look at how the NFL draft works, and like unsigned free agents and stuff like that, that end up making an impact. You find out pretty quickly that like you know you could build a system that has like three or four, maybe five prospects on your roster and, and, and then a pretty deep team. And, and that's sort of like where you want the balance to be. And then you can make really fun trades with that. You can do really fun player evaluation, like arguments and debates around that stuff, which, you know, like you said, there's like so many different perspectives on that stuff. As long as you can bring those perspectives to the table and let any of them uh, be successful uh, without bias, um, then it's a then it's a successful game, right? Because uh, you've opened up this, like, sort of system that, like, it's just a different way of thinking about it. You don't necessarily have to say, like, okay, you know, it's not, okay, I have the number one pick, and uh, I'm doing a snake draft, and I know I'm going to get, like, this running back, you know, X running back, and I know, uh, you know, I'm in second round. I might go second running back. I might, it's going to be a while until it comes back around. You know, it's like, that kind of logic is, like, just not interesting to me it's not uh as fun and dynamic as like auctions and then trading and that kind of stuff i, I agree yeah. i would hope so i mean you, you seem to like auto new a lot so yeah well i and i mean i'm not a huge football like because i follow baseball so closely it, my interest in football is much more casual but even talking with all my friends who haven't played auto new because they're not as big of baseball fans they they've all seemed really interested in the football um, platform that'll be rolling out. So I'm hoping that a couple of my real life friends will actually just hop over from Yahoo or wherever else onto this. Yeah, I mean that would be great. I think like you know not to take anything away from those sites at all. Right. But. No. I mean they're just different things, and like there's a reason that fantasy football is incredibly popular. It's well packaged. Um, all the sites do a great job of like making it a week to week thing and like something that's. Uh, very consumable and very uh, manageable. It's appointment so you can really viewing. Casual with even your interest in football, and be able to like manage and consume uh, a season of fantasy football, right? Um, but that's not what Auto New is about. It's not about like the managing, consuming. If you're casual, it's really about if you're very into the sport. Um, how do you get the most out of it? How are you really building a team the way a real NFL team would build? How are you um, thinking about players? Uh, in the way a GM would think about players, right? Um, so that, that to me is like the goal. Yeah, I think yeah, it sounds I, awesome. I have a couple of rapid-fire questions for you that are about auto-new. I have a couple as well, but go ahead, Trey. Yeah, Trey, yeah. Here we go. Answer them as quickly as you can. All right. Will Corey Kluber win the Cy Young in 2015? Uh, no. Have you ever seen Corey Kluber smile? No, I have not. Does he have the best slider in baseball? Absolutely. Do you own a Corey Kluber jersey? Not yet. What kind of beer would you buy a Corey Kluber if you met him in a bar? I would buy him a Great Lakes 
Dortmunder gold because it's Cleveland and it's the best beer in Cleveland. Well done. Well done. Thank you. Thanks. Trey, is Corey, Clu- Trey, is Corey Kluber your baseball boyfriend? <laughs> Corey Kluber won me my league last year since I picked him up off waiver, so those are all related to auto. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I have, I have a couple interface questions just from that people forwarded on to me. Please. Um, I, a couple of people have asked about the 48-hour trade window. And if there was any way that that had to be present or could be changed, um, at least, especially in the off season, um, I don't know what your thoughts on that are. So, uh, in the off season, I guess people would like it to be shorter, or people generally would like it to be shorter. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the point was basically that we don't need 48 hours to veto if everyone's this involved. To make a choice, right. So, I'd be open to doing it shorter. I think, um... The, the stance I take on that stuff is twofold. Uh, generally, uh, one, it aligns really well with how auctions work. They're also 48 hours. Um, two, uh, I don't enjoy, especially like, and you know, the feeling I have from the people who play is like it's generally a younger crowd, which I appreciate. Um, a lot of people have like a lot more free time, uh, which is great, which obviously fills it up with auto new, and that's great. I think um, as that audience gets older and as people get, like, more responsibilities, and I've seen it in my league even, um, where we do have, like... Married with uh, children? <laughs> yeah, I mean, over over half the league has kids now, which, like, none of them did when we started. So, you know, it's, it's like, that kind of, like, you know, the natural evolution of, of, of how we go through our lives. Um, there's just not going to be as much time to be in front of your computer. And I think, like, 48 hours is just, like, one of those things where the stance I would take is just twofold. One... Like, give people a chance to get in front of their computers. Not everyone has as much time as you think they do. And, and you know, being patient on that front, I don't have a problem with that. I, I, I would encourage that. Um, and two, like, I really want people to take the long view on this stuff. And honestly, one day, uh, at the end of the day, is, 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 is one day across your whole season. Um, especially in the off season, you're not making rapid fire moves. Um, I get that it's super fun to have your guy in the roster organizer or have him in the lineup um, the next day or whatever. But if the trade-off and the cost of that is that um, some people aren't able to review trades fast enough, some people aren't able to like react uh, fast enough or raise concerns fast enough, like I don't know if that's a trade-off I'm willing to take right yet. Um, well, given everything in. Given everything that you've already said, it sounds like the shorter amount of time that you have between those auctions is basically moving towards what you didn't want in the first place, which was auction sniping, those blind bids. Um, right, I mean... Which, 24 hours, would you wouldn't have that as much, but the shorter amount of time, that's basically what you move towards. Right, when you move towards that short amount of time, you run into that danger. And, like, and like uh, yeah, right, I mean, like what we're talking about is something that you know, if people really enjoy the game, they're going to want to play it for, like, a few seasons, and maybe even, like, many seasons, and maybe make, like, some really great friends and play this game for a really long time, you know? And, like, then, are you really going to be sad that you didn't get this player on this day? Like, it's, like, kind of... No, I mean, at that point, the relationships are more important. Right, and it's, like, it's the entire, like, scope of the league that you're playing in. Now, listen, no one likes getting a new toy more than me, and, like, you know, I just pulled the trade off right after my uh, draft, and I was refreshing it and being like, is it, is it, is it past the silver? So I totally get it, right? Um, like, I wanted to slot. Like, I traded for Bauer, and I was like, I'm ready to slot Bauer in and start pitching the spot that Miner just abandoned. So 
I'm like, I'm ready to go. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's 48 hours instead of 24. It's, it's one extra day to, to be patient. And if that helps someone else make an evaluation that uh, is good, I, I, I would prefer that. I tend to agree. So, um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm open to it, though. I'm, not, I'm, I'm definitely not closed book on, on that question. Okay. The, the other thing that was brought up was when players are traded, like you had mentioned your Bauer for Odor trade. Yeah. Um, is there a way that we could add some form of indicator so that you know when you're looking at teams which players are pending? Because currently... It's a great question. Um, it, right, it's difficult to tell, I guess, unless you go into that specific trade. So if you're trying to propose a trade to someone who already has a pending trade, actually seeing who's on their team given what players are or are not pending, um, would be nice. So that would be not looking at the pick trade as, uh, to use the terminology, like proposed, meaning like I could propose 12 trades of Trevor Bauer today. Yeah. Um, and that would not mark anything. No, but, but it would have showed, like in your example, it would have showed like Odor, for example, could have been highlighted in red. Because within that 48 hours, I could have even, I could have put him on the team page and it would be like, this guy's about to ship out. Yeah, something like that, so that anyone looking at the team knows which players are or are not in flux. Yeah, you know what? That's a good, that's a great idea. I'll I'll do that tonight. That sounds that sounds awesome. So <laughs> I was looking for something to do tonight. That sounds great. Yeah. So that oh, was sweet. That yeah, was uh that was Justin uh, Viber. So. Oh, was it? Yeah he he was actually on the podcast that I released this morning. But um, oh well, he's gonna be super pumped about that then. Yeah. So I'm so, pretty sure I can knock that out. Yeah. So Justin, that was real time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll take a pack. I'll, I'll take a pass at that tonight. I, I'm, uh, I just opened up the, the file that I look at. So okay, the the other topic that was brought up, and we had a discussion about this in one of my leagues, is position eligibility. Right. Um, currently, it's five games major league, ten game or ten games played, five games started, twenty minor league games. Correct. That's right. That's right. Okay. Um, the idea that was brought up was that you have players who have eligibility now that realistically can't play the positions they're eligible at. So, for example, the, the one that was brought up was uh, Ryan Zimmerman. Okay? He, he's probably never going to play third base again. Okay? Right. But he still has third base eligibility for this year. I don't really see that as an issue, but the way that it was presented was that Fangraphs has the depth charts that they release. There's projected depth charts just based on projections. Um, is there Would there be any way to just reset eligibilities off of off of that so that it wasn't using prior year games played. Instead, so, it would look at, like, what positions these players are actually supposed to play this coming season. I'm not – and I don't say that really advocating for one side or another. That was just – Sure. No, I, I got you. Um, uh, I'm, again, this is a thing I'm open to, but there's two things that are super important about that. One, I'm just using the Yahoo rules, uh, and that's, like, a pretty straightforward rule set. Like, it's a pretty standard one across Yahoo, ESPN, CBS. Yeah. So people play – in a lot of different leagues, a lot of different services, um, and people look for their information in all kinds of places. I want to be as close to helping people evaluate, like against like a general cheat sheet, as as I can. And the second thing on that is like just very straightforwardly. Who said it uh, in Slack the other day? Uh, have you seen Dave O'Brien play catcher? Yeah. Like they they play guys who can't play the position all the time. Zimmerman play I. I live in Washington. We, we have Miguel Cabrera at third base. I mean, what's that? Miguel Cabrera has third base eligibility. Right. It doesn't and mean he's good at third what? base. He played, five, he played eight games. He started eight games there last year. Mm-hmm. Like it, when we were talking about that defensive, that conversation about defense earlier, right? When we don't know anything about anything. Yeah. Like 
some guys know less, it turns out, right? Like, if you watch, uh, they were, like, he's the answer catcher uh, right now. That's crazy. He doesn't yeah. know how to catch a pitch because he's not used to it. He's not learned how to play it yet. My point is not to pick on him or pick on anyone who plays baseball because they obviously can do it better than I can. But just to say that, like, um, the major league teams are the ones who are making these calls. The major league teams are the ones who are, like, uh, playing players in different positions. Um, if it's good enough for the majors, uh, I think it's good enough for us, right? I agree. <laughs> so, like, I don't know if, like, there's anything more to say about that. Like, I super get it, and I think there's also some, like, cleverness to do when you tie in those depth charts. But I think that's just a different game. That's just a different game altogether. Yeah, I, the one idea that I had kind of going off that discussion was to say, um, well, if you looked at, like, shortstops, for example, like, any shortstop typically could just play any other position. I don't think anyone's yeah, saying right. that a shortstop couldn't play first base. So if you were going to do something like that, maybe you want a hierarchy where you say, you know what, if you're a shortstop, you can, play, you can, be, you can plug him into right field, even though he only has shortstop eligibility, because right. that position <laughs> defensively is at the top of the pyramid, you know? One of those things that reminds me of is, like, uh, um, well, you know, I could go on, like, a little bit of a thing here, but, like, I'll try to hold myself back. Like, if you play MLB The Show or whatever, you play video game baseball, you can always put people in weird positions and, like, the game have, like, these weird, like, or, you know, they, they say, like, you're going to be an eighth as good as you normally are or 80% of your normal defensive ability because you're not used to playing this position, right? Yeah. Um, we could do something like that, but it's just a different game. And, like, what when we're trying to, like, uh, I feel like it opens a huge can of worms. <laughs> right. And when we try to say, like, well, we want to make auto do something that's approachable, like, the least I could do, to, the thing I can make it the least approachable immediately is to say, well, position eligibility is done by this depth chart over here, and you have to know this, go to this page to understand what anyone's position would be ever. And that's, like, confusing and weird and, 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 and uh, very uh, intimidating. And instead, if I go to Yahoo and I print out, here's the list of the best third basemen, and then I take that and I just scratch a little number next to them and how much I'd bid for each of them, all of a sudden I just made an auto-new cheat sheet using no auto-new data at all. And it's super valid. And to me, that's like, that's awesome. That's great. I want people to be able to do that. In addition to be able to do like the most insane, uh, in-depth stuff that you guys do, uh, I'd like them to be able to print out a piece of paper and, and shovel some things around because they don't like the Nationals and, and then all of a sudden have a great third baseman cheat sheet. Yeah, well, well, it's almost like you want to encourage as much of the advanced research as you can, but you also want to marry it with the data that's publicly available. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're, playing for, if you're paying for Miguel Cabrera this year because you're under the impression he's going to be a third baseman next year, well, I mean, that's, that's where that stuff comes into play, right? Yeah, it's just your own skill at evaluating where a player right. will be. Right. So, that was the last little question I had. Um, did you have anything else, Trey? Yeah, I don't want to let this opportunity go by without giving uh, Niv a couple wish list items for myself. <laughs> I mean, look, I just feel Justin's, and you're actually talking to me right now, Trey, so I'll, I'll do yours first if it makes sense. Alright, well, look, these, ser in all seriousness, th these are just uh, ideas, and I don't expect you to uh, even acknowledge them right now, or even say yes or no, just just a thought. I think I already know where you're going with this. Go for it, please. Um, number one, it's always been number one on my list, is find some way to differentiate the points that you score in your line.
those that are scored overall by a player. Yep. And, and you want that by position, right, Trey? By position. So you want so to see how many points my, your catcher slots. My thought would be it would be somewhere on the lineups page. So how yeah. badly you were platooning, that kind of thing. That, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. That's, that's, I don't expect this, again, at all to be a short-term thing. That, that seems so, to me, I don't know coding, but that seems like a long-term thing. So can I speak to that real quick? Yeah. Um, so I think uh, some of you guys may remember, I don't remember exactly when I did it. I think it was last year. I sort of refactored how uh, lineups are stored in the database. Right. Um, and uh, I'm not going to get, like, I, I wrote a big blog post about it, and you guys can definitely read it uh, on on about90feet.com. But if I think, uh, Trey, I, I, first of all, super acknowledge that uh, request. I know you've given it to me a bunch of times, and it actually seems like, it, I mean, that's a great it's a great request. Uh, it's um, It really speaks to the idea that you can platoon in these games, which is actually, like, awesome. Um, and it gives you an idea of, like, how good your team is versus how good you are as a manager, which is actually really valuable, right? Um, I know I've had some people who track along at home. Trey, I think you did that for a while, right? You were tracking it in a spreadsheet. I did. I did. Yeah, which kudos to you, man. That's awesome. Uh, I think this refactor has actually made that like way more plausible. It was not plausible before, but I think that's changed a little bit. I'm not promising anything. I'm definitely not going to be able to knock it out tonight. But I will look at that this year for sure. Well, it's almost uh, like you could you could just add an extra column to the end of the lineups page or to the live scoring page that would just give that that total for the year as it accrues, I guess. Right. Like so, I think uh, what I what I want to do is just have like um, just what you need a couple numbers there, right? You need one that's like here's what you've had when you've had them in the lineup, and here's what you have without them in the lineup. Or you could do it by positions in total. But I think if you did it on the individual level, you could figure the rest of that out, right? It, I think as far as feasibility, um, and at least what would be most useful, I would just want to see each position in your lineup, the total points. I wouldn't care about the individual players as much. So, like, if, oh, okay, I, okay. if I could just see, like, you have your catcher slot and you have Buster Posey, okay, and your second catcher is Miguel Montero, I would just want to see the total points that my catcher slot has scored. And I think this is what you're saying as well, Trey. Um, regardless of whether it's Posey or Montero, just the total points from that slot. Same with first base, same with outfield, etc. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's probably the easiest way to do it because if you have nine outfielders, you want to know how many points am I getting from my fifth outfield spot because I'm probably rotating three guys. And so I want to know how effectively am I rotating those guys? How effectively am I managing? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a great tool and a great way to evaluate um, – like I said, like you as a manager, and like you said, Trey, you said the same thing. Like you as a manager, not you as a player evaluator. Uh, like it's like looking at a macro. Your macro evaluation is: I have these nine outfielders. I picked up these nine outfielders. I believe these are great nine outfielders. Your micro evaluation is: Well, am I putting him in on the right spots? Am I putting him in on the right days? Right. Um, I, I probably said it wrong. Uh, and I think Joe said it the right way. You you almost have to do it by the lineup spot and not by the player because the the uh, the variables become unmanageable essentially. Because if you drop players or trade players, your list of right. used players would get out of hand. So you got to do it by the lineup spot. It also gets super tricky because you have guys with multiple eligibility trades. Right? So you have to do it by the lineup spot. Right. Right. Um, okay. N- number two. Yeah, please. Number two. Go for it. 
Uh, this one I think is a little easier. Uh, one thing I think would be a pretty a pretty fun and en- uh, enhancement would be an overall or universal leaderboard. So maybe the top 25 scoring teams by name uh, in real time at any given point in the season among all, let's say, fangraph points leagues. Um, maybe you have one standings page or something who has the top, top home runs, something like that. Um, I think that would be pretty interesting so that uh, teams can begin to can see what other teams are scoring in other leagues. Right, so you guys are doing this really interesting thing with the Champions League where you like put that together, right, sort of um, like with like by reaching out to like various winners and stuff. And yeah, I think uh, you were like what you were trolling through, like not to say trolling, but you were like crawling through all the league pages and like pulling standings where they made sense and everything, right? Yeah, I looked Trey and I looked at every all the final standings and then basically, and we did this for every year. It wasn't just 2014. And we just tried to pick who we thought consistently the top owners were off right. of that. So, um, yeah, that is pretty cool, too. I think um, the universal standings thing is um, pretty <coughs> excuse me, pretty interesting. I, the, the part that I get um, where, like, it becomes, like, a little unwieldy is, like, figuring out, like, well, we have these if, – if you do – um, turn auto new into like a bunch of uh, like customizable elements there, like eight team, ten team, twelve team, fourteen team leagues, right? Um, and also like you know stuff like that. Uh, that can get tricky. I think what would be super interesting though is um, aside from the points, uh, is looking at uh, overall home run leaderboards, overall strikeout leaderboards, like for your team over the course of the season. Um, I could toy around with some of that stuff. I think that's like, to me, um, I'll rank it like this. Okay, uh, Trey, I think your first request is actually the most interesting in terms of a day-to-day user and owner benefit, especially in the points leagues, but sort of generally. Um, but especially in the points leagues, I think that's just like an incredibly valuable day-to-day tool to have. I think Justin's request around the, the graying out someone is is... It's super easy to do, and I'll knock that out. But it's, you know, how often is someone actually in a pending trade? Uh, uh, not very often, unless it's right at the trade deadline, right? But still pretty cool. I think I can handle that. This one is, like, it falls into that category that I was talking about before of, like, sort of research tools and kind of, like, the weird uh, high-minded stuff that I know, you know, I've sent you guys a few links that are in, like, that research area of the site. I think this would go there. Um... And I could definitely like toy around with like a bunch of different ways of presenting it, and and I'd be happy to like, you know, toy around with that and see if we can put together like an auto new Hall of Fame, which I think would be pretty fun. That would um, be fun. <laughs> one of the one of the things my league mates uh, really wanted, uh, you know, I, I started denoting who won the last last league, right, the last season, uh, twenty fourteen champion or whatever. Right. Um. And I had someone uh, request, like, well, I won 2013, where's my banner? And all of a sudden, we're like, well, I want the rafters at Yankee Stadium, man. I want, like, the, I want the pennant flags. I want all the flags up above the... So uh, it would be fun to, I think, let people, you know, to show the sense of history of the game. Uh, even if, it, you know, I, given that I am basically the Cleveland Indians of my league, everyone in our league has won a little bit, and I won the longest time ago, so... Well, uh, it would be fun to be able to say like they won in 2006 like that's the last time he won that 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 banner is lonely uh, and then like look at like you know Chad had a really great like three year stretch and 
stuff like that. So I think like building up the history of the game, like especially as we are creating the history, and it's only been four years, but there's already like people who are like, you know, this this game is like, yeah, you know, I'm remembering three years ago this trade and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, um, even like the Hall of Fame idea that you said, it's like yes, you could have like exactly. this Mount Rushmore of honor. You know what I mean? Right. Who hit the most home? Who had this? Across all formats and all teams that have ever played Auto New, who had the most home runs in a single season? Because guess right. what? You still only have 162 games and all those positions to play. So, like, that's pretty comparable, right? That's, like, not a. I would love to see that. Like, I think that would be super mm-hmm. cool. Uh, I sort of want to look it up now. But uh, maybe, maybe, yeah, that could be something that would be fun to build. I love, I love ideas like that because when they're fun to build. Uh, well, if it's interesting to you, it's easier for you to take care of. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, oh, how am I going to spend my Saturday morning? Well, uh, I, this awesome Hall of Fame idea, or grinding through some football code that I've been avoiding. I'm going to take the Hall of Fame idea. <laughs> what What's next on your list, Trey? I know you have uh, a couple. Last one. Um, yeah. you, made a, you made a comment to me uh, several months ago. We were forming the Champions League that you were intrigued by the uh, the five non-roster minor league system. That I was, you're taking the words out of my mouth. <laughs> for that league, and um, you sort of asked us to test pilot that in 2015. So we'll do that for you, but that uh, would be something that we think would be interesting to add as a future as a future option in the sense, and, I, and I'll frame it this way. Um, this, is not a, this is not a criticism, but I, sure. I would stop short of calling... This is a per- this is a preference, really. I would stop short of calling Auto New a full-on dynasty league. I would call it sort of a hybrid, and the reason I say that is I, I once read somewhere that the difference between a, a, a fantasy baseball league and a dynasty league is that in a dynasty league you can keep every player for as long as you want that you that you have, and you, you can debate whether that's true or not. But I think there's a there's a part of auto new where it begins very quickly to to escalate when you have great players and you begin to lose those because of the arbitration process which i do like the five uh, non-roster minor league system was a way for us to try to slow that down just a tad so that you can keep some guys that you feel like you've done the the homework on and farm those guys out so may i add on to that too trey yeah, go ahead. I, one of the things that I felt was missing, kind of going off that hybrid idea, was how how large the player pool is as far as minor leaguers go, where you can basically have everyone in the pool versus how many minor league players are actually owned because of the 40-man roster cap. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if I was building the system, for, and again, not a criticism at all, I would probably want a 20-man minor league system. Just, I, and just because when you look at like how major league teams are built, they have these huge minor league systems, but right now you have guys in rookie ball that you can't own in auto new realistically if you're hoping to compete, even though those guys play integral roles in in major league teams. Like the Cubs aren't giving up Claybar Torres or Eloy Jimenez or whatever. You know what I mean? Because those guys are really important to those teams. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. No, I, I hear what you guys are saying on that. And there's a couple points. Like, again, uh, I, did, I took none of that as criticism. And, and, and those are like really fair points. I think um, on one hand, like, you know, we've all been victim to one guy has a great year and all of a sudden he's not capable for you or his price went up so high. I think the new arbitration system does a good job of like, addressing that um i shouldn't call it new anymore it's been around long enough uh but 
but yeah, I mean, it's a it's a painful thing when you like you pluck that gem and then all of a sudden he's on uh, he's on some other team two years later and you're like, what? Well, I, I lost the prime of this guy's years. I had I had him stashed away for two years and then and then he's gone. That that sucks. Um, and I'm sympathetic to that. I think um, you know building out like a 20 man or a five man minor league system, and I guess in this sense. Uh, you would have a system of players that, uh, what we're talking about, like specifically, is players that wouldn't be affected by the normal uh, salary increases, wouldn't be affected by arbitration. Yeah, the way we're doing it is that any of the players who are in the minor league system don't even show up on your active roster. They're basically owned for free, and then when they come up, you get them for a dollar. Right, and so like when they come up is like this weird. So right there, that's a qualification that's super hard, right? Because if you come up for a cup of coffee in September and you don't actually get an at bat, like what does that mean? Or you don't get a you don't pitch in any. Yeah, we're qualifying it as any appearance in a game. Right. So. so so that's I mean, right, so that's like a rule, that's fine. Um but but it becomes like it comes back to that like approachable conversation, I guess. Um and then so so you know, when you have like sixty players or forty five players instead of like a forty number that like people sort of understand, that's like tricky. Um but at the same time, like, like you're totally right, right? Um, the Indians and, I mean, every team has, what, like, at least four, six minor league teams? And they have, like, the Lake County A's, the A-level team, and they have the double-A team. And, and those guys have a lot of useful players that will become, like, useful major league players and maybe even surprise you and become superstars or become stars or become, like, healthy fantasy options, right? And it would be great to stash those guys away and then um, – and then have this like great uh, pool of depth to come out of uh, your thing. Well, I think doing that in and of itself solves the arbitration issue that you're sympathetic to. Because, for example, if you had Corey Kluber before he came up or whatever, yeah. you could own him for a dollar. Right. Um, and then if he gets arbed, you know what? Maybe he's at twenty-two this year, and maybe he's right. at forty next year. Like he's still, you're still owning those players for significant amounts of time. Um, right. And so. Um, I, I, you know, it's hard for me to, so I will just say, like, I think that's, that's a good idea. I'm really interested to see how it works out for you guys, how you guys decide to play with it and everything. Um, for me, like, as, uh, you know, with whatever, like, mindset I have for these things, it's like, um, fantasy, like, the challenge for a salary-based game is that no one advocates for the player, right? Uh, in real life, uh, players have agents. And frankly, like to be completely blunt, uh, the the system in place right now is not fair for young baseball players, right? No, it's, it's not, not fair, right? And it's overly fair to older baseball players, right? Because these guys get paid for what they did instead of what they do. And then you have Ryan Howard, right? So like, the system is doing great for Ryan Howard, and it's doing really lousy for uh, maybe not Longoria, but like uh, Kluber or um, or a guy like that, or like. Uh, even like a Bryce Harper, right? He can be paid away more on the open market. And then people uh-huh. get pissed when John Singleton happens. Right, right. And 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 right, right. And so like how do you uh, build a system? So let's just take that away from like real baseball for a second, right? Um, well, one of the things we discussed is like how do you build a system that's fair to um, the player uh, in an in a, in a open way? And really that's where the the arbitra- the second arbitration system came out of was like, well, uh, there is no agent, but guess what there are? There's an open market. And so you just sort of show what the open market would be 
Um, and uh, you, you simulate that by letting people uh, add a couple dollars to the player's salary. But, like, if I... Like, I guess, like, the second half of my... Like, I'm sympathetic to that is that... But at the same time, if a player plays well um, in a free market, they would get paid a lot. So... So it's kind of like balancing that. I don't know. It gets into this like really weird like labor type thing that I don't necessarily want to delve into because it's like really esoteric. But when you're trying to figure out like like what are all the people and all the parts that are involved in like pricing a player in Auto New, um, every other team matters, and uh, as does uh, and, and and every other team collectively works to sort of. Uh, be an advocate for the player themselves, right? So, all that being said, it was super long-winded and like maybe sound like I don't know, weird free free market communist. But <laughs> uh, but like the point that I was trying to make is like one, like let's try to keep the game approachable in as many ways as we can. I think five players is way more approachable than twenty. Though one of the guys in my league has like a hundred-person minor league system that he's playing with another thing, and he keeps asking me to set it up, and I'm like, never, I'm never going to do that. Um. So, like, I'm trying to keep it approachable. I'm trying to keep it something that um, maybe doesn't have the mass mass appeal, but has, like, mass mass appeal, but has, like, a level of appeal that uh, can can grow the business in a good way. And I also think, like, it's important to to us as uh, fantasy owners and fantasy players uh, to not feel that we have any obligation to, to have a player over many years, right? Uh, that's kind of, like, a quirk of the way the collective bargaining works right now. The older players have taken advantage of the younger players in that way. Um, we don't have any union or anything to negotiate with, so we can build all kinds of things around that. Um, so I'd be open to trying it out. I'm really interested to see if, like, what, is up, what ends up happening. And, you know, it's not going to be a 2015 test, right? It's going to be, like, a three- or four-year test. What ends up happening is, are those five players ever useful? What do you guys end up filling those five player slots with? And um, and what is it like a viable way to draw depth, or are you picking up twenty or what would it be sixty players that uh, wouldn't otherwise really be in auto new and don't deserve to be picked up by teams at that age, right? Like, what does it deserve to be mean in that sense? I don't know. And how does it change the game? And right, and how does it change the game? Like, if you end up with a situation where, um, you know, right now today uh, in my leagues, uh, in my league, I should say. On the day that I, that all the players sign, uh, all the auctions get started. I start the. It happens in all our leagues, right? As soon as the uh, college player or the high school player signs with the pro team, I get an email being like, "This guy signed." I add him to the database, and his auction started in like twenty different places. And so, if we're picking up players that are like number one, number two, number three picks uh, directly out of the draft, um, I don't know if we have a depth problem right now. Uh, maybe there, maybe there is though, and like. Uh, you guys were talking about like you know maybe maybe there are some single A players that like are going to be useful pieces and maybe they deserve to be owned when they're in single A and not when they graduated to triple A and everyone knows about them. Real, real but, quick, because yeah. I, I agree with everything that you're saying. Um, we're, I'm gonna have to split this into two episodes just because we're at like an hour forty right now, which is yeah. great. I've I've enjoyed this a lot. But I like talking. You guys are fun to talk to. I'm sorry if it's like. Oh no no no! Not a problem at all. I can stay up as late as we want to talk. But are you are you all good, Trey? I know that you have wife and kids. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, I, I got the feeling that we were getting close to wrapping up. So 
Yeah, I mean, because I can keep talking as long as you guys want. I just didn't want to no, drag I'm, this out look, for you. I, I'm happy to uh, wrap this up. Like, uh, you know, you guys are breaking two episodes. If there's stuff that you want to cut out and we just revisit it, um, this is not a hard thing for me to do. And it's a shame, frankly, that I haven't done it sooner. So I'm happy to come on whenever. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd love to keep chatting. So yeah, <laughs> there are a lot of different ways I could go with this. I think, I think the the thing with the minor league system to me is that there's this whole whole other universe of players that aren't being owned um, in comparison with what major league teams are actually doing. And it, that's probably a poor way to phrase it, but it. No. I guess, I, and I and I understand the issue with like guys being auctioned because they're top picks, um, but you can look at so many guys who are like oh, Rafael Devers, okay, top 100 prospect. He's like 99th on Baseball America's list, I think. Okay, 17 years old or whatever, came over, crushed short season ball, did a really good job. It. it as fun as it would be to own him, it's really tough to own him in any league because of how long it's going to be for him to actually come up. And I think right. I think that's what what I'm seeing with a minor league system is that you, if there was a way that those players became part of the game beyond just saying, you know what, I really like this guy, I'm going to take a flyer, even if it isn't necessarily the wisest thing to do, um, would be something that I would enjoy. So. Right. Well, yeah, I think that's that's super interesting, and it's like it's really like how can you stash that piece as early as possible and have fun with that, right? And the prospect part of the game is is really something that's like grown into its own, and it's like you know as we've all learned more about prospects in the last ten years, mm-hmm. been a really fun part of it. Well, and part of it too is that you can have all this knowledge about lower level prospects, okay? Like uh-huh. I I can know that Devers exists. But the system right now doesn't make it feasible to really own him if I want to be competitive, for example. And right, even right, if I, right, even no, if I want to I rebuild. So really having that extra, you can know, you can have more knowledge, but that knowledge really doesn't lead to any benefit, I right. guess. It, it maybe leads to benefit in two years when he's bid a little bit extra on him, but then you've already lost the chance of having him at exactly. this great value. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, you bring up actually an interesting point within that, which is... Uh, that 40-man rosters are not not just deep enough. 40-man rosters, you need to really bring your game at almost every one of those roster spots in a 12-team league uh, if you want to be competitive, right? Yeah. So, and that's really interesting. That's like, that's not what was expected, right? That's not the expectation when you when you when we created Auto News that, yeah, we thought there'd be like you know six or seven spots that you could just. Uh, put your prospects in and and have like a 25 man roster and you'd be fine you'd be like you know you could even have a couple of relief pitchers and larusa the crap out of it and, you know have fun with it but but what it turned into is what you guys are saying which is like it very much became a platoon game right you have this deep deep team uh and and you're able to platoon in ways that real major league teams can't and you're actually getting more value out of those kinds of platoon players than real major league teams can and so like once you unpack that you start saying like well what i'm actually doing is utilizing this outfielder in the way that his ideal world use would be um unfortunately that team does not have enough roster spots to do that but i do so i'm going to do it um 
that is actually a super interesting thing to unpack because then you're saying like 40 man rosters aren't enough uh, to also keep like a healthy farm system around to stash some guys right exactly and that's that to me is like a pretty compelling argument so like again I'm super interested to see where you guys decide to stash in those spots and like in three years like you know out of those 60 spots that are like the stash spots what were the results right and I'm not saying it's going to be three years before I even like think about implementing something like that but as time progresses it's going to be super interesting to see um, if we do create like a situation where you can stash guys from sort of free like what is that what is that uh, how does that change uh, farm systems and how does that change platooning right makes platooning a much more viable strategy right Um, I know it's like a big part of winning strategies today but it almost becomes required in that future so so is that what you want and so there's a lot of balance to think about there and and I'm only just now unpacking it, right? So I, I'm very interested to see like how you guys play with it. Yeah, I know. I've had a couple discussions with owners about that and how how we think it will come into place. So right, and there's no better way of doing it than trying it out. So exactly. I mean, it's essentially a test. And so I'm super excited to see what you guys come up with. So all right. Well, last question before um, before we end this then is the name Auto New. I like I know the history, but like was that was what it was originally called? Or did you, when, when did that name stick with the platform, I guess? Yeah, so... And how did um, you pick it? Obviously, uh, Otto New uh, is a, was a baseball player in 1919. He, like Moonlight Graham, I always tell people, like Moonlight Graham, he picked up, he played a, one game of baseball, he, he had no stats in that game, no plate appearances, uh, no fielding opportunities, um, and then that was his last game of baseball, so he won game, one and done. Um... I can tell you, uh, I basically what happened uh, was that there was an article we found online, uh, I think you can still search for the phrase, uh, don't waste more time on a dream than you have to, um, which is like this big, beautiful, I, I don't know, don't waste more time on a dream than you have to. Like, what a great philosophy. <laughs> uh, so it's like the idea of baseball players who, like, obviously these guys dreamed of playing Major League Baseball, they played one game of Major League Baseball and they never played again. Um, and to me, that, like, speaks to, like, my uh, passion as a fantasy baseball player, which is, like, I'm never going to play a game of baseball. Um, and uh, and it's, like, I'm spending this obsessive amount of time on this fantasy baseball thing to try to pretend to be a GM or whatever. And it's, like, you know, it's, like, the exact opposite of what I'm doing. Uh, but there's these don't waste more time than a dream. Don't waste more time on a dream than you have to all-stars uh, that, like, someone from the someone published. And Auto New is the starting, uh, wow, starting shortstop. And, <laughs> and come on, that's perfect. It's it like is. seven letters. No one's ever going to own that name. You're going to be able to search for Auto New on the internet, and it's going to be you. Um, that's like in the, in the world of domain names and trying to start a tech business or whatever. Uh, that's, a great, that's a great accomplishment, honestly. Yeah, right? No, you're not going to mix that up with anything else. Um, it's like why like Google is Google, you know, that kind of thing. No one else. Like, Google, Google, and there you go. So Auto New was like this unique name in the whole list, and it was only seven, it was short. It was seven letters. Like if you anything longer than that, it would have been like this big disaster. So I bought AutoNew.com, and I had these guys going to AutoNew.com on the on day one of the of the thing once I built the site, and we just expanded it once it made sense. Wow, that, that's that's really interesting, actually. So I did not expect that. <laughs> yeah, um, you guys can. I think here I'll, I'll actually.
test this right now. Uh, don't waste more time on a dream than you have to. Uh, if you search for that, well, you get a lot of depressing stuff. But if you search for <laughs> around it, you get one result. It's from the New York Times from 1986. Um, I will see if I can put it in this chat here, if there's a chat window, chat bubble. There you go. Um, uh, yep, starting shortstop. Wow. And if you look through all those names, it's the only one that you would never name anything after. So, <laughs> I mean, Moonlight Graham is obviously tempting, but. Okay. Well, I'm going to wrap this up then. Um, feel free to stick around for a couple minutes, but thanks again for coming on. We'll have to do this again. Um, I know yeah, it was very enlightening guys. for like, me. Uh, just to reiterate what I said at the beginning, like, you guys, uh, not to pick out a favorite betray like you and i've been talking for like a few years now and joe like you've like taken on this thing like with such like a such a vigor it's like it just really it's exciting for me and it's like it makes it more fun to come home to emails and come home to twitter knowing you guys are active out there so again i, I super appreciate it keep, keep it up like i, I can't stress enough Hi all, Tom here again. Uh, if you made it this far, we hope you enjoyed this look back at an older interview with Niv Shah, the creator of Adenu. And uh, stay tuned for episode 6, when we'll release a new interview with Niv. Thanks for listening.